<laughs> but I'll restrain myself. But sometimes it's, there's just not enough pyrotechnics for some songs, right? So it's Advent, and we're in Acts chapter 12 because it fits. Uh, it's really fun. So remember, last week we left, and Paul, Saul and Barnabas were going to Jerusalem with a big load of money from the Antioch church, which was mostly Gentiles and not Jewish descent people, but people that believed in Yahweh. But now we're following Jesus. And people couldn't believe the Holy Spirit was poured out on them. So they sent people to investigate. And then Saul and Barnabas, there's this prophecy that there's going to be a famine. So they come back to Jerusalem. In the meantime, Acts 12 is happening. Okay? So if this was a movie, you'd be cutting back and forth from Peter in Jerusalem, you'd cut over to Barnabas and Saul in Antioch. You would cut over to Peter, you would cut over to Saul. So when this was written, they weren't used to these like quick takes in these action movies that show four different events all happening at the same time moving along, right? And so here's how Luke presented it. So Acts 12, about that time, Herod the king laid violent hands on some who belonged to the church. And guess what? Here we are celebrating Christmas, which means we're going to talk about the Christmas story, which means we're going to talk about how King Herod wanted to kill Jesus. He wanted to kill the king of the Jews. The wise men came and they said, we have seen the star of the king of the Jews. So they go to Herod. Herod thinks he is the king of the Jews. And so when somebody shows up and they're like, hey, the king of the Jews has been born. He's like, uh, I already got born like years ago. I'm the real king of the Jews. And they're like, no, no, no. The king of the Jews, like the real king of the Jews, was just born. And we want to go worship him. You can see why that would make him mad. So that was not this same Herod. It was Herod the Great. We're going, to, we're going to veer off a little bit. We're going to talk about these Herods for a minute because it matters. And you'll see why. So Herod the Great was the Herod that killed all the little boys in Bethlehem that were age two and younger, that wanted to kill Jesus. And he was ruling around 10 B.C. to about 5 A.D., all around the time that Jesus was born, Herod the Great was ruling. Herod the Great had 10 wives. He had 10 wives because if one of his wives didn't do just the way he wanted to do, she would die. And he would get another wife. Or sometimes it wasn't that she did something wrong, it's that this other lady did something right, and he'd really rather be married to her, but he can't as long as he's married to her, so off she goes. Well, in the midst of that, he had a whole bunch of kids with his ten wives, 
And one of his wives was a descendant, like a granddaughter or great-granddaughter or something, of the Maccabees. And I know we don't talk about the Maccabees very much, but in the, what people call the quiet period of the 400 years between Malachi and Jesus, it wasn't quiet. It was loud. It was a war. It was serious. It was revolutions. It was history. It was crazy. And Judas Maccabeus, the Maccabees, raged against Rome and they, they chopped people up and it was, it was as violent as any action movie that you could ever see. And they were rebels. And a lot of people, a lot of the things that happened to Jesus, they thought, uh-oh, is this another Judas Maccabees? The, um, the zealots, the, you know, Simon the zealot and Judas the zealot, those guys were hoping that Jesus would be a Maccabean fighter. Well, the Maccabeans were super uh, patriotic, nationalistic, Jewish guys. And so if Herod could marry a Maccabean, then that would really show how rock star patriotic Jewish he was. I am so Jewish, I married a Maccabean. This is how much I'm against Rome, you guys, and I'm on your side. I am so Jewish that my fifth wife is a Maccabean. He <laughs> really did that. That really happened. It's probably her influence that got him to build the Herod's temple, the, the big renovation of the temple, because he wants to make the Jewish people that he's ruling over. Here's how Jewish I am. I got my Jewish Maccabean wife. I mean, not just Jewish. She's Maccabean, man. She's got blood on her hands from killing Romans. She's so Jewish. And I built this big old temple. Look at how Jewish I am. Now do what I say. So, with this Maccabean wife, he has a son. His son is named Aristobulus, who got murdered by his father. Probably did something wrong. Herod killed Aristobulus. But Aristobulus had a kid, and his name was Herod Agrippa. And this is Herod Agrippa. So his grandma, right? My, yeah. His grandma was a Maccabean. You wonder how Jewish I am? My grandma was a Maccabean and my daddy was a Roman. <laughs> so that's this Herod. A long line of evil, terrible, no good, awful people. And this Herod, every once in a while, uh, the, the history... History talks about these Herods. They would really want to show how Jewish they were. And so they would do something like marry a Maccabean or build a big old temple. Here, this is years, years, years later. It was probably his uncle was the Herod that Pilate sent Jesus to. That Jesus called him a fox. Um, and in their culture, a fox wasn't a wise and sly thing. It was a bloodthirsty killer. So when Jesus called him a fox, he's saying, you tell that bloodthirsty fox. Uh, the bloodthirsty fox was the same guy that killed John the Baptist. That Herod. So that Herod was uncle to this Herod. 
This Herod wants to show everybody how Jewish he is. I'm so Jewish. I'm going to kill a whole bunch of these people that are in this new sect, this new group that's trying to, to say the Mosaic law doesn't matter and say that they're going to tear down the temple and all that. He killed James, the brother of John, with the sword. So Herod had James killed. That's all we get. We get one sentence. He killed James, the brother of John, with the sword. When he saw that it pleased the Jews, oh, oh, you like that? He proceeded to arrest Peter also. So James is dead, and now Peter is arrested. This does not look good, does it? But it's the days of the unleavened bread. It's Passover. And during Passover, under Jewish law, you can't have any court. You can't have any court proceedings, no trials, no judgments. And some reason, even though Jesus' trial was totally illegal, overnight you're never supposed to have court at night. At the start of the Passover, you're, not, you're supposed to be preparing for the Sabbath and the Passover, not having trials. By this time, years later, they're going to follow the law. And so Peter, knowing that James has been killed, is arrested and he gets to sit in prison for seven days. We don't know if it was the whole seven days. It was multiple days. And it was the Feast of Unleavened Bread is seven days long. And so when that's over, he's going to get executed. The way they would lock you up in jail in those days is they would get a guard and they lock a shackle onto that guard and then they lock a shackle onto you. And then you'd go sit in the cell chained up to a guard. And the guard did not like that. So it's not like, hello, welcome to this cell. I'm going to be your host this evening. It's your stupid blah, blah, blah. What'd you do wrong? Wait for your trial, and I'm stuck here chained to you. So you can imagine how awful that would be. If you were really, really bad, like public enemy number one, you wouldn't just get chained to one guard, you'd get chained to another guard. And since they don't want you to run anywhere, they don't want you to go anywhere, you took off most of your clothes. So you wouldn't be comfortable outside if you got loose and you don't have your shoes on. And that's how Peter is chained to two Roman soldiers for multiple days, maybe even a whole week. It's probably a full week because they probably wouldn't have arrested him and gone out to arrest him during the Feast of Unleavened Bread. But they may have. So we, we don't know. But multiple days. Not naked, but pretty much chained to two Roman guards. And these guys would work an eight-hour shift. And when their eight-hour shift was up, another guy would come in. They'd unlock that dude, lock the new dude to you. Unlock that dude, lock the new dude to you. And you had two guys that were fresh and just had you know, time off and went home with their families and had dinner and all that. And now they're fresh, and you're still there. 
in that seven days extra, that gave the church seven days extra to pray for Peter. And they are praying for him. They are spending their whole unleavened bread celebration praying for Peter. God, deliver Peter. God, save him. They're grieving the loss of James and they're praying for the rescue of Peter. When Herod was about to bring him out on that very night, so it's the night before, tomorrow is the end of all the Passover, everything, and Peter's going to go to trial. When Herod was about to bring him out on that very night, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers bound with two chains and sentries before the door. There's this guy's guarding the door. There's guys next to him. He's trying to sleep everywhere. An angel of the Lord stood next to him and a light shone in the cell. Dress yourself and put on your sandals, the angel said. And he did so. What? Oh, sorry, just one verse. Behold, an angel of the Lord stood next to him, a light shone in the cell. He struck Peter on the side and woke him up. Hey! He said, get up, quick! And the chains fell off his hands. The chains fell off of his hands. He says, get dressed, put on your sandals, wrap your cloak around you, follow me, come on. He went out and he followed him. He did not know what was being done by the angel was real. He thought it was a vision. So Peter, he's been in here for days. He can't pray and sing except what he can do that nobody sees him because he's got, you know, thug one and thug two chained up to him. Miserable, miserable, miserable. Tomorrow's the day. This is it. He's, he's waited as long as he is going to, to be able to wait. And just hours before he's taken out by Herod, this angel wakes him up. Hey, come on. Get your clothes on. Hurry up. Isn't it wild? The angel doesn't like go, and he's all dressed and like with his shoes on or anything. I, just stuff like that. I love that. It's like, you got to do something. You have to wake up. You have to get, come on, follow me. You have to come with me. It was so real that he thought it was a vision didn't know it was real. Just that whole bit. You know, it is super easy for me to imagine and to daydream bad stuff. It's super easy for me to just... You know, it doesn't take me but a second to think, oh man, what if this happened and then that happened and gosh, and then this, and then that would be terrible. And then this horrible, you know, be driving the van and, and I'll make a funny noise. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I got to replace the tire. I bet the rack and pinion's gone bad. We haven't fixed this on the car, so that means they're probably going to have to fix that to fix that. And next thing I know, my imagination put me like $5,000 in debt. We're so good at that, aren't we? I mean, maybe I'm the only person. Maybe I'm the only person that the news works on, that I can watch five minutes of news and just the whole world's going to hell in a handcart and 
It's hopeless, right? Maybe that's only me. What if our imagination was full of hope? What if our imagination was full of joy? I like, you know, I've, I've gone to the hospital, gone to the hospital to visit people. And I love to daydream, what would it be like if God answered every one of my prayers as I walked down the hall of the hospital? Like, what if I could just put my hand on the wall and just pray as I walked down and in every room, everybody got healed, one after the other? And then I stop for a minute and I listen and I think, what would that sound like to be in a hospital when everybody got healed all at once? Isn't that great? Okay, I think that's more like what the Lord would like us to do with our imaginations than to run myself $5,000 into debt on my minivan just from daydreaming, right? Hope. We are so good at fear. We are so good at worry. But the Holy Spirit is cheering us on and empowering us And fueling us to have an imagination full of hope. To actually hope that, you know, back in the day, there was a time where people would take aprons and napkins from Paul that Paul blessed, take them home to sick people, and the sick people would be healed. It says that in the Bible. What if everybody, I mean... It could happen. What if everybody on Thanksgiving, when they bust open their chicken broth, they just got, whoever was in that house got healed. That the Holy Spirit would go and just move and bring, bring healing like that. So Peter doesn't even know this is real. He thinks it's a daydream. He thinks it's a vision. He thinks he's watching something happen that's not actually happening. When they passed the first guard and the second guard, they came to the iron gate leading to the city. Peter's walking past all of them. It's the middle of the night. We don't know if they're probably not asleep because they would change their watches. So you'd always have a person that was awake. They'd work in shifts. They get to the gate leading to the city. It opens for them of its own accord. And they go out and they go along the street. Peter's following this guy down the street. And then the angel leaves him. Peter comes to himself. He says, I am sure that the Lord sent his angel and rescued me from the hand of Herod. And from all that the Jewish people were expecting. I just got rescued. You don't get in here. What about James? Why didn't James get rescued? You know what? I don't think that's the point here. I don't, I don't think the point is on Christmas morning when one kid gets one gift and when one kid gets another for one of those kids to point and say, why did he get that? And I didn't. Would you not just smack that kid upside the head? I mean, how, how much more so God and all of His glory and all of His holiness and all of His grace and all of His gift giving. The point here isn't why didn't James. The point is, look what he did. Look what happened to Peter. Peter is free. He's loose. He's got his shoes. He's got his robe. He's got everything. 
he runs to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose other name was Mark. So this is John Mark. His mother is Mary. We think some, some sources say this might have been Peter's sister. There's a whole bunch of people gathered there praying. The Feast of Unleavened Bread is over. What are they doing? They're praying for Peter. Because they know tomorrow's the day. He knocks at the door. Bam, 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 bam. Servant girl named Rhoda comes to answer. She hears Peter's voice. In her joy, oh, it's Peter. She doesn't open the gate. And she runs back in and tells everybody that Peter's at the gate. This, this is total comedy. This whole scene is just beautiful. She's so excited. Peter's at the gate. Peter's at the gate. They said to her, you're out of your mind. Oh, Lord, free Peter. Rhoda, you're crazy. He can't be free. How many of us are in the spotlight now, right? Oh, God, bless and heal. Well, I'm sorry you're sick. Come on. You're out of your mind. She kept insisting. And they kept saying, oh, it's his angel. Oh, he died. It's his angel is here. Peter continues knocking. Oh, his angel is knocking at the door, screaming for us to let him in. Poor Peter. Then they open it, they see him, and they're amazed. He motions to them to be quiet. And then he tells them the whole story. How the Lord brought him out of the prison. He said, you guys, go tell James. Go tell the brothers. And he departed. This is not the same James that got killed. Okay. Go tell James, um, the brother of Jesus, who is the leader in the Jerusalem church at this point. Then he departed and he went to another place. Whoa. So Peter's like, I am getting out of here. I'm supposed to be executed in the morning. I am leaving. You got to tell James this all happened. So James is the leader of the Jerusalem church. He is the brother of Jesus who many, 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 many pages earlier said, if you want to be famous, go show off at the festival of lights. Everybody that wants to be famous goes to all the festivals. You should go to that. And Jesus said, it's not my time. So something happened over the course of that time that James, the brother of Jesus, who didn't believe, came to believe. Wow. So God answered their prayers. This is the Sunday of hope, you guys. And just if there's one thing we could carry with us in as we enter Advent, as we enter the celebration of the coming and the soon to be second coming of the Lord is the hope that God will actually answer our prayers. That that what he said at the last supper, whatever you ask for in my name that is in is in my will, I will give you. I'll really do it. There were times where we were fundraising to, to go be full-time missionaries. And something would happen, and Cindy and I would say to one another, gosh, what happens when God answers all of our prayers? Are we really ready for that? 
What happens when God actually gives you the thing that you are really asking for with, with specificity and, and, and exactness that God actually answers your prayers and gives you that thing? Sometimes I think God is doing something right now to answer a prayer that I had, but I've forgotten. I've forgotten the, how much I hoped for that. Or maybe even after I prayed and asked God for it, I thought, but I know that's never going to happen. So I need to make plans and adjustments and, and do things, live by my own understanding to prepare myself for when God doesn't answer the prayer that I just asked Him so, so earnestly. That when it comes time and He actually answers it, I can't even believe that He answered it. Oh, He didn't do that. That's Peter's angel outside the door. Peter's dead. We all know that. So when day came, oh no. <laughs> there was no little disturbance. This is so funny how they say this. There was no little disturbance among the soldiers over what had become of Peter. It's absolute chaos, okay? These guys are professionals. They had two dudes chained to this guy. They had guards at the door and second guards at the door and the gate. And the dude's gone. Oh boy. Herod searched for him. Herod himself came to the jail to look around and to see those guys, look those guys in the eye. He examined all of them and he ordered that they would be put to death. That was the punishment. If you had a prisoner and that prisoner escaped, whatever was going to happen to that prisoner is now going to happen to you. And so all the, Herod executed all those soldiers that were there. Wow. Then Herod goes down from Judea to Caesarea and spends time there. The festival is over. The Feast of Unleavened Bread is over. The big partying is over. And now he goes off. Herod was angry with the people of Tyre and Sidon. And they came to him with one accord, having persuaded Blastus, the king's chamberlain. They asked for peace because their country depended on the king's country for food. Okay. Whenever you read something like this, you're like, what does this have to do with anything at all? Do you guys remember when, uh, like, in March of 2020, when all of a sudden everybody went on lockdown and everything shut down, there was quarantine everywhere, people were going buying $700 of toilet paper, and people were like getting the bleach, and they were saying on TV, don't mix bleach and ammonia because you'll make a bomb, and blah, 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 blah. You know how that's a set moment in time that we all remember, right? I mean, September 11th, JFK, there's bigger deals than that, but just there's little things. Luke is writing this to real people that would remember, oh man, I remember that. That was a big mess. That whole Tyre and Sidon and they were all commerce and all that. So Luke is just given a little mark of here's where this happened. Do you remember, you remember that day? Oh yeah, that, I mean, I don't remember the specific day. I remember March 2020 and it was a big mess and we were all working from home and all, yeah. That's what this is all. That's why all that's mentioned. On appointed day, Herod put on his royal robes, took his seat upon the throne and delivered an oration to them. So there's this conflict between nations and he's watching over it. Josephus, who's a, a historian from this time, 
says that Herod came out that day in a robe woven with silver. And so it looked like when the sun shined on him, he just glowed like this, like this light of, of silver robe. And he's just like, oh, just amazing, right? And he gives his speech and the people are shouting, this is the voice of a God and not of a man. This is a God speaking to us. This was all along in the Herodians, um, Herodians and Roman rulers. They would talk about they were the son of God. That God, they would, they would, uh, sometimes they wouldn't say that they were the son of God. But one of the rulers, something would happen in the sky, like an eclipse or something. And they would say, that is my father who is looking down on us, taking care of us. That is God, my Father. And so then everybody puts it together. Well, if the God of the Son is your Father, you must be the Son of the Son God, right? And all this. And so they would, they would commit these blasphemies. Well, remember how this guy really wanted to be Jewish? Really wanted to show off how Jewish he was? It's his own law, his own double speak, his own hypocrisy that calls him out here. Immediately an angel of the Lord struck him down because he did not give God the glory. And he was eaten by worms and breathed his last. Alright, pretty gross. You got your action Bible? You got the comic book version of it? Is it nasty? Okay, good. Just shows him falling down. Good. So if you had just been reading Luke, if all you had was the Gospel of Luke and the book of Acts, several times the Herods are going to get mentioned. The Herods are going to get mentioned when they killed everybody in Bethlehem, when they tried to kill Jesus. The Herods are going to get mentioned when they killed John the Baptist. Oh, those Herods. And then you get to this part. This is how it ends for the Herods. They are eaten by worms. Yes! Jesus is alive. The whole thing that's causing trouble here is proclaiming that Jesus is alive. That his body did not see decay. And here's the guy saying he's the son of God. The son of the son of God. The son of the son of the son of the son of God. The Herods. And not only did he die, but he got eaten up by maggots. All right, I got one more for you. Skolekobrotos. How do you like that? Skolekobrotos. Say it with me. Skolekobrotos. That means to die and get eaten by worms. <laughs> so, not is there some translations that say he burst open and blah 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 and it's all gross and gruesome. The whole point here is that he's not the son of God. He's a skolekobrotos. That he died, passed away, his kingdom did not endure, his kingdom rotted away. But the word of God increased and multiplied. The very next verse. So the, the verse 23 is skolekobrotos, Herod's, kings of this earth, the kingdoms of this world, all that nonsense passes away. Verse 24, the word of God increased and multiplied. 
the word spread. And then Acts 12, 25, we get the little, oh yeah, this was all happening. Barnabas and Saul returned from Jerusalem back to Antioch when they had completed their service, bringing with them John, whose other name was Mark. Where did Peter go when he got released from jail? He went to the home of Mary, who was the mother of John Mark. So Paul and Barnabas were there. Paul and Barnabas were there praying for Peter. And later on, we're going to hear about their time in Jerusalem during this little bit. So Paul and Barnabas get to see God rescued Peter. He was locked in jail, shackled to two soldiers, and got freed and walked out. And we saw him face to face. We heard about it. And with that news, you think that's going to come in handy later? I'll just tell you, it is. <laughs> Barnabas and Saul returned from Jerusalem when they completed their service, bringing with them John, who others' name is Mark. So now you have John. You have John Mark, you have Barnabas, and you have Saul, who have all seen miracles of God working and rescuing from the hands of the the powerful Jews and the powerful Romans. They've delivered money to Jerusalem to prepare for the coming famine. And now they are back in Antioch, more fired up and faithful and hopeful and ready than ever. It's just... I'm just pouring more powder on this keg, you guys. It's just getting, it's getting ready. And, um, and that's how it ends, Acts 12. So we will, we will light that powder keg next week. Let's pray. Lord, you are so good. The way you rescue and save. The way you encourage and build up. The way... Even even at the last moment, in the final hour, that you would rescue Peter and deliver him and, and put him in a spot where he could encourage Saul and encourage Barnabas and encourage John Mark and encourage the whole church. Lord, we want to be that. Fill us with your Holy Spirit that we would hope more than fear. That we would look to you and trust more than we would worry And that we would rejoice more than we would despair. Lord, we commit ourselves to you. We turn ourselves over to you in your joy and in your peace. And we praise you that you have come in your Holy Spirit in us to work all these things out. We love you and we praise you, Lord. Amen. All right.